This is Radio Maria, and welcome to Pro Parent with Chiro Candia. Hello, and welcome to Pro Parent, the program that promotes confident parenting with me, Chiro Candia. My mission? To provide parents with the tools and encouragement to become the best mothers and fathers God is calling them to be, fostering homes where children grow in character and virtue. Someone once said to me, Parenting is the only job where the more experience you get, the less you feel like you know what you're doing. <laughs> Just when you think you've got it all figured out, the rules change. Your children come up with new ways of keeping you on your toes. And this is precisely why among all the different styles of parenting I've been exploring over the past four or five weeks, the one I believe offers more consistency in this ever-changing environment is authoritative parenting. Now this episode marks the third and final instalment in our series on this approach. And these three parts will form the bedrock of many of the future parenting episodes. Last week, you may recall, I talked about how authoritative parents use strong discipline wrapped up in love to shape morals and conscience. And I argued that this method is not only kind, but it also leads to less need for discipline now and significantly less discipline later in life. Discipline is one of the very best gifts we can give our children. And sometimes when discussing discipline, I find it helpful to liken it to the banks of a river. These banks serve as barriers, ensuring that the river flows strongly and steadily without overflowing its boundaries. Discipline acts as limits or guidelines for a child, not as punitive measures, but helping the child navigate through life freely and confidently, very much like how the river banks guide the river's course. But remember, strong discipline must be wrapped up in love. You know, for the authoritative parent, discipline and love are inseparable. And what does this wrapped up in love really mean? Well, essentially, it's about nurturing a deep, affectionate bond connection with your child. You know, personally, I loved embarrassing my children when they were younger by hugging them in front of their friends. They would moan and claim to hate it, but deep down I knew they felt loved and secure. We need to tell our children often that we love them, of course through our words, but also through that physical affection, even if at times it appears that it makes them squirm. And how important this is as our children become teenagers and young adults. And I understand that sometimes it can be a little bit awkward or uncomfortable to tell a 15-year-old boy that you love him and that... You want to give him a hug, but do it. It really reinforces this deep sense of love and security. And reflecting on my own childhood within a very strong and loving family, the memories that stand out for me the most are those one-to-one -one moments with my parents. And I think authoritative parents understand these one-to-one -one moments and make opportunities for them. Clearly, family times when I look back, were filled with joy. But it was the special one-to-one -one moments that really resonated with me. I mean, I remember vividly on Saturday mornings when my dad would take me to the market early 
to get produce for his delicatessen shop. And it was just the two of us walking through that bustling market, selecting fruit, veg and some of the meats that would adorn the counter. Another cherished memory when my dad was a waiter for a while was playing drafts with him when he would come back from his afternoon shift. And these afternoons were our special time, a brief but meaningful interlude before he had to head back for his evening shift at six o'clock. And it wasn't just about playing a game, it was about the conversations, the gentle teasing, the laughter, these moments of undivided attention where I was the sole focus of his time and care. And these were not moments that were indulgent, but there were times when we were reinforcing our bond and I was made to feel valued and loved. Looking back, my parents always made me feel like I was somebody important. They had this incredible patience, always willing to listen as I stumbled through some silly joke that I heard at school and often messing up the punchline, but they never seemed to mind. Their reaction made me feel like the funniest child in the world, even when the joke fell flat. And this approach seemed to go very well alongside the discipline that they practiced during my formative years. Other suggestions for wrapping our children in love. For fathers with daughters, what about taking your daughter out on a date? And this is a great way to foster that one-to-one bond. It's a special opportunity. Your daughter is the only other woman besides your wife, dads, who you can take out on a date. Why not consider giving your daughter a call at home and decide on where to go? It could be a dinner, a movie or a round of miniature golf. (laughs) When you bring flowers home for your wives, why not consider bringing a small bunch for her? These gestures, especially for young girls, will make them feel incredibly cherished. And it's also crucial to be curious about your children's day, their likes and dislikes, their joys and fears, their hopes and ambitions. To put this into perspective, think of the classic game show, Mr and Mrs. (laughs) Some of you may remember this, where husbands and wives were asked to answer questions about each other. It was a test of how well they knew the intricacies of their partner's preferences and daily life. Now imagine if there was a similar game for parents and teenagers. I don't know, let's call it parent and teen know-all. And in this hypothetical game, would we as parents be able to answer questions about our teenager's favourite band, their worries or what they find most challenging at school, their favourite foods, drinks, This game show analogy highlights the importance of deeply understanding and connecting with our children. We need to be emotionally and mentally engaged in their world, knowing them just as well as we would a close friend. And as I said before, this working without any contradiction at all with discipline. This is what the authoritative parent is able to do. Another example of wrapping discipline in love can be seen in the practice of attentive listening good listening and particularly with teenagers this is a profound form of respect listening in fact whether it's teenagers or or adults and when you listen to somebody attentively you communicate several things in effect you're saying you matter and in the case of teenagers you're saying i'll give you your peace before i react (laughs) it conveys this idea of i'm interested and i'm willing to consider your words more than eager to defend my own as it were and 
This approach of listening to our teenagers especially should involve resisting the urge to immediately intervene, even when every instinct, every fibre of our body tells us to do so. I remember a specific incident with one of my children a number of years ago. He argued, Dad, I don't see why I can't stay out until one o'clock in the morning. There's less chance to get into trouble because there are a few people around. (laughs) Very clever logic. And then I realised the importance of giving him a minute to speak without interrupting, regardless of how keen I was to intervene. By maintaining my silence, I allowed him to express his thoughts. But at the same time, I was giving him space to hopefully recognise the flaws in his logic. The question for me wasn't whether or not there were few people around at one o'clock in the morning, but who was around at one o'clock in the morning. But if you do give your teens a minute, two minutes to articulate their thoughts, then when you do speak, your words will more likely be met with credibility and authority. Now, sometimes it's common to hear adolescents say, you know, you don't listen to me. And remember, this doesn't always mean that you haven't listened. Often it's teenagers' way of expressing frustration that you haven't agreed with them. So I used to say to my children, I've listened, but I just don't agree with you. (laughs) Listening doesn't necessarily imply agreement, but the key is to engaging meaningful conversation and in that practical reasoning, which I've talked about often. It's about creating a dialogue where trust is built and we're teaching our children the valuable skill of thoughtful dialogue and reasoning, which is so important to a loving and also disciplined relationship. Other examples of wrapping discipline in love include respecting children's rights as they grow older. And this encompasses respecting their right to privacy. For example, up to a point, it's not absolute, but older children do need a certain sense of privacy. They should have a a space of their own to keep personal belongings safe from the clutches of their siblings. And as they grow up, their above-board dealings with friends should also be respected as personal, essentially no one's business but theirs. Naturally, these privacy rights are not absolute. Your children's privacy rights will always give way to parental rights whenever some serious moral or physical danger suggests itself. However, in normal circumstances, when parents respect their children's privacy, they generally find that their children grow up to be open and sincere with them. I've noticed that parents who act as control freaks often produce children who are close-mouthed and a little sneaky. Children also have a right to a presumption of innocence, so we should try to avoid rushing to judgment. Listen to your child's side of things, especially when you didn't witness the misdeed yourself. However, it's equally important never to undermine your spouse if they have witnessed the event. Even if you think that your spouse is mistaken or has overreacted in some way, in such situation it's best to discuss the matter privately with your spouse later. And children have the right not to be publicly embarrassed. As best as you can, I would suggest that you try to make corrections personally and privately. I know that sometimes this is almost impossible. But a child's resentment of public humiliation, from my experience, is likely to cancel out any lesson that you're trying to teach them. 
So when you can, try to make corrections, especially to your teenagers, privately, you know, eyeball to eyeball and, and straight to the point. From my experience, I found that handling matters privately not only maintains a child's dignity, but also strengthens that parent-child relationship. And children also have a, a right to a second chance. You know, this means that once the apologies have been made, the child starts with a clean slate. We don't really truly forgive someone unless we also forget. And by showing true forgiveness and forgetting about past misdeeds, you know, we demonstrate to our children that it's their behaviour we disapprove of, not them as people. How important forgiveness is in family life. The family should be the one place in the world where we can always count on that fresh start. I also firmly believe that we should apologise to our children when we have got it wrong. So many times I made mistakes in the upbringing of our children and whenever this happened I made sure to follow these mistakes up with an apology. Don't ever be afraid to say I'm sorry to your children and to explain why. Now, don't worry about appearing to be inconsistent in their eyes. What's far more important is your determination to treat them fairly. And when you do so, this will teach them a valuable lesson that in effect you prioritise justice over your own ego. In effect, what you're doing is treating your children as young adults in the making, beginning by respecting them as people. And before concluding, I'd like to offer two pieces of advice. Firstly, avoid starting with a permissive style of parenting when your children are young and then adopting a more authoritative style when your children are older. It's much more challenging to establish firm boundaries later than to gradually introduce them from an early age. For those with young children, particularly toddlers, it's so important to establish your authority early on and you'll find that it's invaluable later on if you do so. Secondly, always be united as a couple in enforcing any boundaries. This is so important, so essential. Now consider a scenario where a, a mother perhaps limits screen time as a consequence for misbehaviour, but the father later on, immediately from returning from work allows the child to watch TV saying it's okay I'll allow you to do it just this once. Now, such an inconsistency would undermine discipline in the home and, and confuses the child. Your parents need to be consistent and supportive of each other's disciplinary decisions. Great parents are exemplary leaders to their children. They understand that children primarily learn virtues such as judgment, responsibility, courage, self-mastery, faith, hope and charity by imitating those that they look up to, starting with their parents. And these authoritative parents strive to live the kind of life they want their children to live later on as adults, embodying those standards of upright behaviour that they expect from their children. And in doing so, they demonstrate that these virtues are not just rules, as it were, for the young, but guidelines, goals for everyone, regardless of age. Finally, consider the, the whole idea of praying for your children. Old child-rearing axiom goes, from birth to age six, you teach your children. From ages six to 12, you guide them. And then from 12 to 18, well, you just pray for them. <laughs>
I know that this sounds a, a bit like a, an oversimplification, but it does hint at the evolving nature of parenting. However, in reality, we should be teaching, guiding and praying for our children from the moment they are conceived until we breathe our last breath. The role of a parent in a child's life is continuous and never ends. In my own life, I found that I learned more significant life lessons from my father in his final moments suffering from dementia than I did at many other times when he was healthy. This experience taught me that, as I say, we never stop teaching our children through our words, our actions, the examples that we set them in those challenging moments. You know, we're always imparting lessons. Then remember the ultimate expert with a capital E, God, who knows your family more intimately than anyone else. Tap into his limitless reservoir of understanding. Turn to him in prayer, especially as your children grow up. And remember, this is not just an act of faith, but a really wise strategy, seeking his wisdom and guidance and entrusting our children's overall happiness and well-being to his grace and to his divine power. And remember, God never fails to answer the prayer of parents. That's all from me, Chiro Kandia, on today's episode of Pro Parent, the program that promotes confident parenting. Tune in same time next week. Goodbye. You've been listening to a podcast from Radio Maria. If you enjoy these programs, please consider becoming one of our monthly donors. All you need to do is visit www.radiomariaengland.uk and click on the Support Us tab for various options. We rely entirely on donations, so thank you to all our listeners who support us.